Welcome again. My name is Roger Smith. It's a pleasure to be here. And thank you for coming out in this cold, snowy day for your Super Bowl Sunday sermon. Of course, we know all truly religious people will be watching the Super Bowl and praying then. That's what we're doing. I want to start off this morning with a quote, one of my favorite quotes. The longer I live, the more I realize the impact of attitude on life. Attitude to me is more important than facts. It is more important than the past, than education, than money, than circumstances, than failures, than successes, than what other people think or say or do. It is more important than appearance, giftedness, or skill. It will make or break a company, a church, a home. The remarkable thing is we have a choice every day regarding the attitude we will embrace for that day. We cannot change our past. We cannot change the fact that people will act in a certain way. We cannot change the inevitable. The only thing we can do is play on the one string we have, and that is our attitude. I am convinced that life is 10% what happens to me and 90% how I react to it. And so it is with you. We are in charge of our attitudes. That's a quote from a gentleman by the name of Charles Swindle. He's an evangelical Christian pastor, educator, and author. His words so resonated with me probably a quarter century ago that I had them put on a plaque, and I have it in my office, and I've had it there ever since. And I often read it to remind myself what it is I can control when everything else around me seems to be going crazy. I am delighted to be here this morning. The idea of letting go, which is the topic of the sermon, probably elicits a lot of ideas and a lot of concepts in in, in people. It can mean many things, from letting go of anger, memories, possessions. Most of us have a hard time letting go of things in our lives, most things, but yet we may be very effective at others. At different times in our lives, we may have to learn to let go of relationships, loved ones who have passed away, friends that move away, homes in which we grew up, teachers that we enjoyed, or the old couch that we had in college, maybe even some of our dreams and goals that we had when we were younger. I'm sure there are those of you out there that are better at letting go than others, but most of us still have something that we can let go of. Now, if you could all just take a moment, I want you to see if you can think of something material in your home that you're holding on to that you should probably let go. Now, if you're married or in a relationship, think of something that your spouse is holding on to that you know they need to let go of. It's always easier to let go of someone else's stuff. If all you want to do is let go of the stuff in your life, there's lots of great books out there now and articles that talk about getting organized and getting rid of clutter. WebMD even has an article in a recent edition about how to clear out clutter in your life. You see, getting rid of material stuff in our lives is probably the easiest thing for most of us to let go of as we follow a few basic rules. We look at an item and ask ourselves when we last used it. It's more, if it was more than a year or two ago, then we may seriously want to consider giving it away or donating it if it's in good condition. 
Now, as caring and socially conscious people, it should be easy to ask ourselves, is there someone else that might be able to use this more than I? Whether it be an article of clothing, an old bicycle, or even an old appliance that's been resting in the garage for a few years. Of course, there are people that have a difficult time letting go of anything, and we now refer to those individuals as hoarders. Now, the advantage of being a hoarder is that if you are one officially, you can get to be on that A&E show called Hoarders. <laughs> See, unfortunately, they don't make shows about people that are good at getting rid of stuff. You know, apparently, healthy psychological profiles just don't sell on television. <laughs> Letting go can be a challenge to us on many different levels. There are times that we hold on to a disagreement or a disturbing from a disturbing episode, such as a rude driver or someone who hurt our feelings unwittingly. For those instances, we may simply need to pause, breathe deeply, and tell ourselves, either silently or out loud, let it go. Letting go is an important concept that I believe everyone wishes to, needs to learn, to master, if you will. They want to move forward. With real change in life, it, you have to master it in order to be truly happy. Buddhist philosophy is often focused on the concept of letting go. It's essentially the basis for meditation. Developing a technique to release the stresses from the day and calming the soul by reflecting inward, focusing, and relaxing. The more adept an individual becomes at this technique, the more often and more rapidly they can call upon a sense of mindfulness and centering when the chaos of daily activities start to dominate and impair function or attitude. Buddhist teachings tell us that we aren't supposed to let go simply for the purpose of letting go, but rather as a way of accepting that nothing is permanent and that life is constantly changing. Learning to let go helps us to move on and be open to all that the world has to offer. In Buddhism, they're taught to let go of worldly possessions and to focus on the meaning of existence and our relationship to those around us. Now, I'm not professing that you should all run home and take everything that you own and either give it to goodwill or to the homeless shelter, but I do believe that learning to put things into perspective can derive a much greater sense of satisfaction and peace than what many of us currently have. When I was ruminating over what I wanted to convey to all of you today, I was thinking more along the lines that we hold on to what's sometimes referred to demons or childhood demons from our past. Some of them are recent, some of them more distant. We have relationships that never had closure or that we never released from our minds. Some of us have had experiences at work, church, school, and home that have haunted us for much of our lives. We have bosses, preachers, teachers, parents, siblings, friends, and acquaintances that have often impacted our lives in a negative way. And yet, we have been unable to release the feelings that we experienced from those interactions from when they first occurred. Feelings of being inadequate, uncertain, or inferior are no less dangerous than those of conceit, arrogance, and superiority. All of those feelings come from a questioning of our own self-worth and a distorted self-image that we have clung to for some unknown reason. This morning's sermon could have just as easily been titled Holding On, because both the process of letting go and holding on 
require us to evaluate the things that are most important to us, the true value, and the reason that we keep things in our lives. I'd be willing to bet, if I were a gambling man, that virtually everyone here this morning is also holding on to something emotionally that they really don't need. Something emotionally that just doesn't benefit them in any way, shape, or form. And some of us hold on to the words of a parent that constantly berated us or criticized everything that we did. Perhaps some of us felt abandoned by them because we had a grossly dysfunctional behavior in our family, such as alcoholism, bipolar, or schizophrenic disorder. There are those among us this morning that have suffered the pain of growing up with parents that divorced when we were young, or a parent, or parents that died before we ever had a chance to really know them. Some of us have had employers that stifled our creativity and condemned innovation or took credit for our ideas. We may have had a teacher that told us that we may never amount to anything or that we could never be good at math or English or maybe science. Some of us have developed self-doubt about our own ability to learn something new because we're in our 40s or maybe in our 50s or our 60s or beyond. We may question our ability to learn a new career or keep up with current technology. We stay or have stayed in a relationship that, that we know is dysfunctional, but we won't leave because we worry that if we do, then nobody else will ever love us or that maybe we'll never be worthy of being loved. Uh, the old expression, if I remember correctly, was better the devil we know than the devil we don't know. We all hold on to different kinds of insecurities, self-doubt, dysfunctional behaviors, and destructive, self-deprecating thoughts and habits. But why? Letting go is a healthy way to purge our inner beings of the chains that bind us. Just as with a good spring cleaning, when we clear out the clothes that no longer fit, and the broken old fishing pole that's been sitting in the garage for three years, despite the fact that we no longer fish, Developing the ability to let go of the unnecessary clutter in our minds will bring a sense of accomplishment and satisfaction. It may even open up the necessary space in our lives to allow us to pursue those dance lessons or to learn to play the guitar or write that book that we always wanted to. We often rationalize our behaviors and try not to acknowledge what it is that really maybe is best to eliminate from our lives. I want to offer just one example, and I will tell you this morning, so many thoughts have come to mind, and obviously we had a lot of talking about this terrible tragedy, and that's not an easy thing to let go of. Many things aren't easy to let go of, but to move on, we eventually all have to. But here's a personality trait that I want to talk about. Perfectionism as an idea of what needs to be let go of sometimes. See, perfectionism is a term that uh, a lot of people have used as almost a way of self-aggrandizing, a form of braggadocio, you know, I'm a perfectionist. But true perfectionism, as a personality trait, can be debilitating and self-limiting. A perfectionist personality trait can cause people to have high levels of stress and even anxiety attacks. It can lead a person to start projects and never finish them. The idea of completing something and it not being perfect is overwhelming to the perfectionist per personality. And anything that is less than perfect is unacceptable. So it's better to leave a project unfinished than it is to complete it. Of course, if it was and it was not perfect, then it would effectively indicate failure. After all, 
Is anything really ever perfect? Isn't there always something that can be done to make a project better, whether it's painting a room, building a shelving unit, or you know, preparing a meal, writing a term paper? For those with a self-evaluating standard of perfectionism, the anxiety that develops from attempting to correct every little mistake or imperfection can be more than just frustrating. It can lead to depression, withdrawal, and psychogenic illness. Where and why would someone ever develop such a disorder? Think for a minute. Sometimes the history gets us in touch. Have any of you had or known of someone who had a parent or guardian or maybe a spouse who was hypercritical of everything, virtually everything that you did? They may have had the best of intentions, possibly, hoping to point out what you did wrong on a project or assignment in school, or how you made your bed, or washed your clothes, or folded your towels, or washed the car, or virtually anything else. They may have thought they were teaching you the very best way to accomplish the task. And by pointing out what you did wrong, they were helping you to be the best you could be, equipping you with the knowledge or skills necessary to succeed in this world. What might have been missing, however, were the words of praise, to point out what you did well and how you accomplished some other task. Growing up with an influence like this in your life plants a subconscious message that anything less than perfect isn't good enough. The balance was missing. The there's a huge difference in the message, say, when we're talking about painting that wall, that if someone were to look at it and say, you know, you missed a few drops over there, or you got a few drops over there, as opposed to, you know, the overall appearance looks very nice. You've done a great job. Learning to let go of a, being a perfectionist and learning that some things, most things, are just fine when we reach a good enough standard. It's imperative for the perfectionist to become a realist and learn to enjoy and appreciate what is accomplished and not dwell on what could still be improved. It's okay to strive for constant improvement as long as you regularly take time to appreciate what you have and what you have already accomplished. A perfectionist needs to learn to let go. The beautiful thing about letting go is that every time we learn to let go of something unhealthy, destructive, or debilitating, we open ourselves to the potential for something healthy, something constructive, or confirming to come into our lives. I wish I could tell you that letting go was a simple process, but for most of us it isn't. If it were, then we would have already let go of our bad habits or destructive thoughts. Letting go can be a process of following some basic techniques, but it still takes time, consistency, and determination to effectively make a change for most people. For some individuals, simply making up their mind to let go of a bad behavior can occur just by determining for it to be so. Unfortunately, for most of us, it doesn't work that easily. So, I have two little things I want to share this morning. One, for those of you who were here a few weeks ago when Reverend Carl was here, and we were starting off the new year and saying what we wanted to leave behind, it was a form of letting go. He was stealing a little of my thunder. He's not here to defend himself. So I stole his flash paper. <laughs> and we have the flash paper over here. So let me see if I can uh, remind you how this works. And we will do this one of two times. If you are comfortable and have time, when we're doing our collections this morning, you may come up then. Or after the service, 
when we're done, if you're comfortable and you'd like to, you can do so. And you can take all these wonderful pieces of flash paper and write something that you would love to get rid of in your life. You can, anything, it can be an emotion, it could be a personal habit that you have, you can think, I'm not patient enough, so impatience. It could be anything. I did one request, just please don't write down my name. Right. <laughs> anything. So you write it down. And if you can light your little paper, it lights, you flow it up in the air, it's gone. It won't, it's stuck in my finger, but it won't burn you. They just disappear. So if you're comfortable and you're a little bit of a pair of, you know, uh, pyromaniac like myself, please feel free to come up. Okay, what I also want to do is I want to teach you somewhat of a, actually a self-meditation uh, or self-hypnosis, however you want to think of it. Uh, it's, it's a good exercise to help you let go of things. And I don't want to oversimplify things that we can have some terrible tragedy in life and doing this is going to get rid of it. But it's amazing how it really can help. So what I want you to do is I want you to take a moment Think about something in your life that you really would like to let go of. And it could be anything. I want you, if you're comfortable, close your eyes. Rest both feet comfortably on the floor. Sit comfortably in your chair. Put your hands on your thighs. While you're there, take a big breath in. Breathe into your belly. Not your upper chest, your lungs, but breathe into your belly. And then let it go. I want you to feel that belly lift outwards. Do it again. Take a big breath into your belly. And then exhale. Just let it go. Okay, now. Keep that idea in your mind of what it is that you want to let go of. And maybe it'll even help if you can think emotionally, feel why it is you want to let go of that. Now this time... I'm going to have you breathe through your nose and exhale through your mouth. But I want you to take a breath in through your nose. And as you do so, I want you to envision, with your eyes closed, it's so much easier. Envision a big, pure white cloud or a bright light that you're just taking into your body as you inhale through your nose. And then I want you to exhale through your mouth, just your mouth. Keep your eyes closed, but envision, as you exhale, a dark gray cloud that leaves your body. It exits your mouth as you exhale. As you do so, breathe relaxed. Realize that you're ejecting the behavior with a thought, with a memory that you just want to let go of. It's been replaced by a beautiful white light that fills you and brings you with a sense of calmness, peace, and completeness. If you need to, repeat the process. Breathe in through your nose. Feel that, see that bright white light, that beautiful, pure white cloud. Exhale through your mouth and let that cloud of gray, and maybe it's a lighter gray, let it just go. Sometimes big concerns might take a couple or a few times in order for us to get rid of. If you're comfortable, when you're done, open your eyes. But try to remember this little exercise. Anytime that you're troubled by a thought or behavior or even some stress or fear, you can stop and practice this little exercise and let it go. Now, I would be remiss if I didn't mention to all of you today 
that this officially launches also our pledge drive for our congregation. The pledge drive allows us to continue our good work that we do here each week, providing a sanctuary for each of us to gather and share fellowship and ideas, pursue social justice, and spiritual and intellectual enlightenment. A year ago, some in our congregation had to let go of the fear of not being able to secure the pledges necessary to obtain a full-time minister. And here we are, one year later, enjoying the revitalization of our wonderful congregation. Now this year we're planning another fellowship dinner. It's March 9th. For those of you who attended last year, I know you had a good time. We have food, we have entertainment. And that is going to be the 9th again, so please mark that on your calendars. You'll be getting a brochure in the mail outlining our campaign and a letter talking more about that, but if you can reserve that while you're thinking about it. I ask you all to just simply think hard about how much this congregation means to you and to our community. And when you do pledge, I ask you to pledge generously if you're able and give freely and with a loving heart. If you want to let go of old habits of procrastinating about giving your pledge, then please, you certainly have my permission to let go of that. There are so many of you here that work so very hard. They really are for this congregation. You donate your time, you donate your money, you donate your experience. And I want to thank everyone for all of their generous service and contributions. So this morning, as we're taking our contributions in a little while after our next hymn, please feel free if you'd like to use the flash paper and let go of something else symbolically. Fire is always a good way to get rid of things. We'll also have the chances again after the service. And to paraphrase the words of Mahatma Gandhi, a person is but the product of their thoughts. What you think, you become. So let's all think healthy thoughts, let go of what holds you back, and hold on to that which preserves the essence of your being.